2: The Large Nerdron Collider podcast is a production of iHeartRadio.
3: Welcome to the Large Nerdron Collider Podcast, a podcast that's all about the geeky things happening in the world around us and how very excited we are about them. I'm Ariel Castin and with me, as always, is Jonathan Strickland.
2: Great googly moogly! <laughs> so, uh, Ariel, I got a question for you. Your question this week is, would you go to space if someone paid for your trip?
3: Mm-hmm. you said this would be an easy one I um, said it would
2: be a yes or no
3: <laughs> it really depends on uh, when I'm being asked to go to space for payment um, actually we had, I, we had a news article about this recently I don't think we talked about it about uh, a movie studio being set up in outer space I don't think where space travel is currently I would do it like it takes so much training it would be cool but like there's so much training and there's so much danger still involved with it. I I don't know that it would be worth the trouble for me.
2: Would you do one of those trips where they go up to the edge of space and then come back down a la Blue Origin like Jeff Bezos did?
3: You know, I don't know. I, I get really motion sick, Jonathan. So
2: yeah, that probably not the right choice for you then. It would be it would be yet another trip aboard the Vomit Comet.
3: Yes. and And like the thing is, so with like with the the studio they're making in outer space in theory like you could go up there and then you don't have to be on that up and down vomit comet to film your space stuff but that's so much more of a time commitment than jumping on a really crazy scary plane for a day or two so i think right now if it were tomorrow it would be a pass now like i'm sure there's an amount of money you could pay me that would break that threshold (laughs)
2: Well, I'm just talking about them footing the bill for you to go as opposed to paying oh, you. Oh, no.
3: No, 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 no. What about you, Jonathan?
2: I mean, if someone wants to cough up the tens of thousands of dollars it would take for me to get a ticket on one of those darn things, I absolutely, I'd do it.
3: Awesome. You could take pictures and share your experience.
2: Yes, I could. I can look at the curvature of the world and talk about what a, a life-changing experience that is, because that's what we often hear when people come back. I actually know someone, they don't like the term space tourist, but I know someone who went to the International Space Station as a private citizen. So one of seven, enjoyed it. one of seven people who did it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Spent, uh, spent millions of dollars to do it. This was, a uh, uh, Richard Garriott, AKA Lord British of the Ultima series.
3: Ah, uh, yes. You see, like, I have no doubt that it is life changing and awe inspiring, but yeah, between my motion sickness and my fear of heights, like I'm afraid of heights. Reentry would be torture.
2: Yeah, no, that's that's legit. Like, you know, you this is so it might be a life changing experience, but if it's something that ends up making you, you know, feel absolutely miserable, then clearly you don't really want to put yourself through that. And you definitely don't want to think about, you know, having to pay tens of thousands of dollars in order to feel that miserable. I can feel that miserable for yeah. free down here.
3: Yeah, yeah. Now, if Doctor Who showed up and took me to outer space, one thousand percent, I'd go because that takes care of all that like takeoff and reentry stuff.
2: Well, first of all, they're the Doctor, not Doctor Who.
3: <laughs> I know that, Jonathan. But <laughs> I like, know you're the fan. I wanted to the clarify. <laughs> I wanted to clarify for people who maybe did not know. Who are listening? What doctor? Doctor Shibago? Like that would really show a listener's Dr. age. Doctor Strange. Totally Strange. Um
2: also in the news right now. But no, uh, the reason Who why, would also
3: who would also take care of the, the takeoff and re-entry? That's um, true.
2: <laughs> but the reason Ariel brought that up, obviously, is because our our leadoff story is that uh the BBC have revealed who will be playing the next incarnation of the Doctor in the long-running. Science fiction series Doctor Who.
3: Yes, and that would be Shudi Gatwa. He apparently is an actor from Sex Education. I'm not familiar with him as an actor, but everybody's really excited.
2: Yes, and he's the first person of color to be named to play the Doctor. So, you know, we've had we've had the first uh, woman Doctor, and now the first person of color to be named the Doctor. So it's. It's interesting to see, uh, the BBC continue to, to experiment with that and push with that because this is something where I think like a generation ago, you would have seen a lot of, frankly, pretty racist and or misogynist reactions to that kind of announcement, right? Like you would have fans who, and you still do to this day, but, if you go back 20 years, it would be way worse, where you have fans arguing that, no, the doctor has to be white and male for some reason. Mm. And fortunately, uh, at least the the reactions I have seen have not gone down that pathway.
3: Yeah, yeah. Now, I will say he is the first person to be, um, like, fully the doctor. We have had a black woman play the fugitive doctor. Yes, but as a tertiary character. So there is that clarification in case anybody is kind of like Dr. Incarnation's lawyering. Honestly, my only hesitancy with this casting is it's another young actor. And like, he's, he's, I think, 29. And like, Matt Smith was okay as a doctor. He was also very young when he was cast. And he also had kind of this weird, bizarre alien look. So it worked. But I just like my doctor's a little older. I've I think,
2: (laughs) you know, I like my doctor's a little bit older. I just want to use your love.
3: (laughs) But I did see a picture with Shooty uh, in in glasses uh, and he looked much more the part that way. So I don't know if that's a part of his costume or just somebody saying, oh, hey, look. (laughs) Yeah,
2: I can't wait to see the YouTube video that will eventually come out that shows the uh, transition from the current doctor to to shooty because uh, that's how I consume Doctor Who. I don't watch the show. I just watch the little video clips occasionally because I tried, I tried real hard to get into Doctor Who. I mean, I I, I tried for multiple seasons. I got all the way to Matt Smith and eventually I just said, you know what? This is too much effort and I'm not enjoying it. And I got out.
3: <laughs> I, I understand. It's, it's, you definitely have to love it. And there are lots of good episodes mixed in with lots of bad episodes and it's not season by season or series by series if you're going the british way i i I haven't watched the last season maybe season or two season and a half of of jody whitaker i like her i think she's a good doctor i think that when i watched her first season she was a little too flawless and it kind of turned me off a little bit because i like i like my doctors being deeply flawed um (laughs) as well what's wrong what's wrong with me Um, (laughs) so now I've got to catch up because I I'm absolutely excited about the new doctor and Mm -hmm. Russell T. Davies coming back and need to catch up
2: are you also excited for the eventual release of a quantum leap reboot
3: yes 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 yes
2: okay (laughs) I <laughs> that, was, that was much clearer than whether or not you wanted to go to space
3: I well so I watched Quantum Leap back in the day and I remember mm. enjoying it but I can't remember a whole lot of the plot anymore oh boy so uh, <laughs> but that's okay because apparently this series picks up where the old one left off and uh, well not entirely it's in the future but they're picking up the project so I'm sure they'll explain it
2: Yeah, uh, Scott Bakula, who was connected with the first, he he played the main character in the original Quantum Leap, is not involved in this version at all. Um, So I'm guessing that we're not going to get any updates on his character because, spoiler for anyone who hasn't watched the original Quantum Leap and they really want to, the last episode uh, has him leaping yet again and the implication is that he's never going to be able to return home. He's just going to be leaping forever. Um, Which was kind of a bummer for anyone who really was into that show. It was one of those where the season finale really was kind of a bummer. Um, Not something you typically find on American TV. But yes, the reboot is going to star Raymond Lee in the main character. And if you aren't familiar with Quantum Leap, the premise is that that the main character leaps into the body of a person in history. And until they are able to resolve something in that person's life, uh, they are stuck there. And then once they do resolve it, they then leap to a different person. And they just, in the original one, the idea was that he keeps leaping in an attempt to return home. While meanwhile, people back in his original timeline who can communicate with him are trying to help him out. So we'll have to see whether or not the new version, you know, stays kind of faithful to that one or if they will take a different tack on it. I'm excited because Ernie yeah. Hudson's in it.
3: Oh, I love Ernie Hudson. Yeah, no, I, I will. This is definitely a, a rebrand that I will watch. Um, a redo, a reboot, a read. We can't, Whatever, I will watch this new series when it comes out and give it a shot. Um, something else that I'm going to have to watch, my husband already told me that we can't be traveling or doing anything else on this day, which is September 9th, uh, because season five of Cobra Kai comes out. And generally when a season of Cobra Kai comes out, we spend all day on the couch eating pizza and watching it. So, um, that's yes, and And they,
2: they released a trailer for season five, which I watched not having watched seasons one through four. And uh, I'm pretty sure I, I got an idea what's going on.
3: Yeah. So uh, Terry Silver from season four, sorry, these are slight spoilers. If you haven't watched the previous seasons, uh, was kind of uh, way more successful at being a villain than he ought to have been by the end of the season. And so now he's back and opening up Cobra Kai dojos all over California. And it's, you know, the good guys, Johnny and Danny and Chosen, uh, teaming up to stop him because his his ethics and his morals and what he's teaching children is not okay. And yeah. Terry Silver, unlike uh, John Kreese, is super charming. Like, he way bumped up his charisma stat, so he gets away with it a lot more.
2: Yeah, he's he's been uh, the difficulty rating on his uh on his roles has been severely decreased so he's yeah. <laughs> he's really able to he's really able to make those roles over and over again um you you would
3: you would think that joke was really funny if you watched the end of season four jonathan um oh was
2: there a D thing in the in Cobra no Kai? there was there you
3: you did an accidental pun that i'm not gonna not gonna spoil it for anybody who's not okay. fully caught up yet uh well i think i, I think of say, silver
2: as the bad guy from um karate kid 3. Because it's the I mean, same, that's
3: that's same dude, yeah he is he is he is the same yeah. dude, I would say, watch it, I both love the show and get incredibly frustrated by it because kids being dumb, I get, but the adults are so thick headed that I get really frustrated at them, but I still keep watching the show, so well,
2: this is what happens when Mr. Miyagi passes away,
3: yeah,, Aww.
2: well. We have one more news item for this section, and it's that there is finally, after years of delays, a trailer for the sequel to Avatar. And I'm not talking about The Last Airbender. I'm talking about the James Cameron Pocahontas remake with blue people, Avatar.
3: Yeah, so the uh, Dances with Wolves, maybe uh, this this is called The Way of Water. And I had read something the other day that James Cameron spent a lot of time working on water effects for the movie. Like (laughs) that was his big focus. But then I watched the trailer and I was like, could you have worked on the faces some? I feel like this feels and looks less real than the original did. And the original was years ago.
2: Yeah. Like the original nine, I think.
3: Yeah. The original was not a great story. It definitely had like, you watch it the first time and the spectacle makes you go wow. And then you watch it again the second time and you're like, uh, um, kind of like Titanic. Um,
2: (laughs) yeah. Another James Cameron movie.
3: Yeah. Yeah. But so for a movie that relies so heavily on just being pretty with some fun action sequences, I wish it were a little prettier.
2: Yeah. You know what? I have never seen Avatar, never had an interest in it, never went. Um, so I watched this trailer and I thought kind of like you did. I was like, this nothing about this makes me want to see this. I'm not connecting with anything I'm seeing on screen. Nothing is making me feel like, oh, I want to know what this story is. And I couldn't shake the feeling that it looked an awful lot like a cutscene in a PS4 game, not even a PS5 game, but a PS4 game. Nothing looked bad. But like you said, it doesn't look it doesn't look photorealistic or anything. It just it looks like a CGI and I get it that it is CGI. But I mean, if it's being presented as this, you know, supposedly epic and and uh, amazing display of technology, it's falling way short of that for me.
3: Yeah, for me, too. it is interesting because I think that's where Avatar succeeds is in video games. I remember my mom owned the Wii, the Wii Pandora Avatar game. And you'd stand on the little like Wii board, like the Wii balance board. And that's how you'd fly your, I guess, Raptor, whatever it's called. Yeah. Um, and that was fun. Uh, the The ride at Disney is a lot of fun.
2: Yeah. I um, had no idea what I was looking at, but it was fun.
3: Yeah. Just again, te- technical genius.
2: And like like I ro- I even rode the little river ride. I had no idea what was going on on that, but it was nice and it was cool. And it was hot outside, so I didn't mind that I had no clue what was going on.
3: Well, there you go. Maybe that will be your reason to watch Avatar Way of Water when it comes to theaters, <laughs> if it is safe to do so, because it'll be hot outside and it'll be cool in the theater. I think it's like.
2: actually supposed to come out in the winter. So... Oh, But I mean, hey, climate change. You never know. Okay, on that happy note, (laughs) we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we've got some video game type stuff to chat about.
1: Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store.
0: Snag a Job is where America goes to hire. With the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire.
4: You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Because there's nothing like a weekend pause with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies.
5: Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this.
2: Uh, mm-hmm. you said that you would, you would not go up into space right now. What about going into space in a video game? Is that, is that all right?
3: Oh, uh, heck yeah. Mass Effect's like my favorite video game ever. And that's all about outer space.
2: Well, what about Eve online, a game where you can sink hundreds of dollars in it and look at lots and lots and lots of data in order to try and min max your experience?
3: Absolutely not. <laughs> uh, for multiple reasons, first of all, I don't like my games feeling like work, and I work in enough spreadsheets <laughs> that um that's it's um no it it just doesn't appeal to me my my husband has played and enjoyed eve online my friends have played it, and my my dad even played Eve online for a bit. he occasionally jumps back into it, but yeah, it's not for me. It's the entry point is so hard.
2: But you did mention spreadsheets. And that's why we wanted to talk about it, because recently an event, uh, the creators of Eve Online revealed that they struck up a a partnership with Microsoft specifically to incorporate Excel spreadsheets into the Eve Online experience so that it would be easier for players to be able to judge things when they are trying to figure out the best strategy for their style of play. And uh, I can kind of understand that. Uh, Have you ever played any games, Ariel, where like trying to keep track of items and what they can do and what benefits they give starts to become a really big part of the game. And like you, I've had that with Diablo, for example, where you find Mm -hmm. loot all the time And you're like comparing the loot you just found with the stuff that you have on you. And it just creates this whole level of stress where I'm trying to figure out, do I keep what I've got on me? Do I switch it out? Have you ever had that experience?
3: Yeah, with Diablo, with Skyrim, with uh, League of Legends even. um, Yeah, anything that's got a large inventory or crafting system starts to feel like work for me. Even, Even Mass Effect to a degree. If you give me too many weapons options, I just start to glaze over.
2: Yeah. So that's kind of what the purpose of this partnership is, is to create a way that players can more quickly assess uh, their, their various options before they commit to them in an effort to get better at the game. The idea was to try and level out the playing field a bit because there was such a huge gap between new players to the game and veterans, the veterans who Mm. had, through experience, really hashed out what works and what doesn't work, which gives new players like next to no chance of having any success in the game. This was sort of a a way of dealing with that. And I'm thinking if the solution to the skill gap in your game is to introduce spreadsheets, I'm out.
3: Yeah, same here. Some people really enjoy it. And if they do, as the McElroy brothers would say, I'm not going to yuck their yum, but... uh <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, I, I will pass.
2: Well, let me ask you about something else. Uh, there's an upcoming mockumentary. So not a real documentary, a mock documentary called players. That's going to mm-hmm. air on Paramount plus or stream. I suppose if you listen to me like ancient. It airs on Paramount plus. <laughs> um, and it's, it's following the story of various uh, fictional professional gamers in an eSports tournament league what do you think about that is that something you might be interested in
3: I was until I watched the trailer so um, I like eSports I've watched plenty of it with Diablo with Starcraft um, and in fact with League of Legends which is what this mockumentary is about I've actually gone to League of Legends tournaments live downtown uh, because some of like my favorite ch- uh, twitch streamers were playing slash um, announcing there and I have mm-hmm. friends who I have a few friends even who announce although not not for League of Legends I don't think um, anymore but um, but I feel like League of Legends has already had its heyday like, uh, like a while ago and when I watched but that's okay because it's supposed to be a funny, mockumentary, and I love those sort of things. Um, If you look at like Spinal Tap or Waiting for Guffman or any of those things, except for this one just didn't actually strike me as funny. What about you, Jonathan? Uh, I
2: kind of feel the same way you do. Uh, There were moments that are clearly like little comedic beats in the trailer, but it's nowhere near the level of absurdity or comedy that you get in something like This is Spinal Tap or Best of Show, or The Mighty Wind, you know, all of those where Christopher Guest is in them. Um, yeah. those those are all masterpieces. They are, are brilliant satire and parody. And this felt almost like it was just gently leaning toward that, right? Kind of leaning toward yeah. satire, but not committing to it. And at that point, my reaction is, why not just do a real documentary about real people? If you're, if you're not going to you know, amp it up for the sake of entertainment mm-hmm. and comedy, then just do a documentary. It, it, it I, doesn't make sense. And I get the idea of they don't want to turn esports into a joke because a lot of people dismiss esports and you don't want to continue that trend. Totally respect mm-hmm. that. But you can still make characters (laughs) who are, you know, larger than life and very silly. And there were bits of that in the trailer. But like you, Ariel, none of it, none of it struck me as particularly effective from a a comedy standpoint.
3: Yeah, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't laughing for the at the underdog or for the underdog. And it wasn't laughing at the toxic behavior. It just felt like a bad prank show level comedy to me.
2: Yeah, I guess. except not even as creative as that. Like, yeah, like there there are bits that you that I feel are supposed to be funnier than they are, but I don't know. It it didn't work for me either. I don't have Paramount Plus. This is not the kind of, of title that would convince me that I need to get it. There are other titles where I've felt the pull to get Paramount Plus so I can watch it, but this would not be one of them.
3: Well, Jonathan, you've now ruined my plan, which is to make you watch the Lost City of D this week because it's out on Paramount Plus. Um, that's okay. Was, I'll watch That's it the
2: that's time. the romancing the stone movie. Yeah, with uh, a yeah, Daniel just, Radcliffe you know. as the bad guy.
3: Yeah, and Sandra Bullock and Channing. Chan, I would
2: Chan, I would Channing, happily watch a master cut of just all the Daniel Radcliffe scenes.
3: I mean. That is that is very truthful. But I think Channing Tatum is quite funny, too. So Uh,
2: I I don't I don't disagree. I just like I don't feel like I want to commit to watching the whole movie, but I would like to watch Daniel Radcliffe be a bad guy.
3: (laughs) That I mean, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, We do have one more story. Would you would you watch or play uh, Gotham Knights? Well, that's that's the best segue.
2: (laughs) That's a great question, Ariel, because those are two different things with the same title. Uh, Yeah. So the the video game part is that there is a Gotham Knights video game that's coming out recently. There was a release of like 13 minutes of gameplay footage. Uh, I originally even linked to that in our show notes, but decided to delete it because I didn't want to make Ariel have to watch a 13 minute long video about a video game that's essentially a continuation of the Arkham Knight kind of gameplay?
3: So, uh, first of all, my husband just finished Batman Origins. Um, like, just finished it. Which I bought for him for the holidays, like, years ago. But regardless, I actually really like the the concept and the art and um, what I've seen of Gotham Knights so far. Personally, I kind of want to play it. I'm, I'm, I think yeah. the Court of Owls is scary and looks good.
2: Yeah, the Court of Owls are the the villains in the Gotham Knights game. Uh, The the premise is that Batman has been killed by the Court of uh, Owls, um, at least apparently has been killed by them. And it falls to Batwoman and uh, Robin and Nightwing and the Red Hood to kind of investigate the Court of Owls and fight crime and that kind of stuff. The gameplay stuff was fine. Uh, I, I I thought that the the abilities were ridiculous. Like, there's no in-game explanation of how some of these work because they're just so like ludicrous and yeah, overpowered. Give me an example. Nightwing jumps off a building and then just magically has a robotic hang glider that he gets to fly on. Um, he hangs from it, but it like it's not it's not coming from his costume. It doesn't appear to be anywhere around him. He just jumps off the building, lifts up his arms, and next thing you know, he's holding on to a robotic flying hang glider that can take him to okay. distant locations. Um, whereas Red Hood can just jump in the air and and bounce off little mystical platforms that appear. In the, so he can jump from building to building. like Even if the buildings are hundreds of feet apart, he just bounces on this little mystical platform like platform, I forget what they called it in the gameplay thing, but I looked at it and I'm like, this is all of this is so ludicrous to me for characters that are supposed to be human beings who rely on their skill and a few gadgets to, to do what they do. But anyway, <laughs> uh, one of the news stories is that the, this game was originally supposed to be cross generational for consoles, meaning it was going to come out for the Xbox one and the PS four as well as the Xbox series X or S and the, uh, the PS five. Well, now the previous generation has been dropped. There's no longer going to be support for those. This might be because this game has been running uh, uh past deadline for a while now, uh-huh. and this is possibly a way to simplify the workflow. Also, it means that they don't have to compromise on graphics and things like that uh, and can You know, create the game that they want. But I'm sure for those who are still struggling to find a current generation console and who were planning on playing it on their older one, this comes as a disappointment. But um, the other thing I wanted to mention is that the CW is going to have a Gotham Knights television show. That the only common thread between the television show and the video game that also is called Gotham Knights is that Bruce Wayne slash Batman has died. That's it. The, uh, the characters in the Gotham Knights TV show are a totally different group of characters. Uh, you've got, uh, a couple of, of siblings who are the children of a, of a criminal, but he's not like one of Batman's big villains. You've got doula dent who, depending on which version of the comics you're reading is one, <laughs> of the Batman's villains kids, or at least she claims to be. She's claimed to be the Riddler's daughter, the Joker's daughter, two faces -Face's daughter. daughter. Yeah. That's why it's dent in his last name. Yeah. And then, um, the fourth member is the female version of Robin who was introduced in Frank Miller's, the dark Knight graphic novel and and comic books. So it's just weird to me that we got two Gotham Knights projects coming out both based on the premise of Bruce Wayne slash Batman dying and these people kind of taking up the mantle, but it's a totally different group in each case. And there's no other connective tissue between them.
3: Thanks DC.
2: Yeah. You made it real, real easy to follow you.
3: (laughs) Um, Yeah. I'm also sad because I wanted to play Gotham Knights and now I can't because I only have an Xbox one and a PS four. I know life is so hard.
2: Same. I've also only got an Xbox one and a PS four. I, I once got a chance to try and buy a PS five. Like Sony contacted me and said, Hey, make sure you log on at this time. And I got on one minute past when it started. And I was somewhere like a thousand people back in the queue. And by the time it got to me, all of them had sold out. And of course it didn't tell me that until it finally became my turn. So I sat for an hour and a half on hold, essentially. Yeah, fun times.
3: It's also hard because, uh, like, we have the Xbox One and we have the PS4. And we still have a bunch of games on those that we want to play. I still have the 360 upstairs. Um, <laughs> but I, like, I don't know. It's hard for me to ch- change up consoles so often when I have a hard time completing the games that I already want to play on the old ones.
2: Yeah, that's fair. Well, We could probably chat about this for ages, but we need to take a break. And when we come back, uh, once I fire up my Sega Dreamcast, we can then talk about the mashups that we've done for this week.
1: Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store.
0: Snag a Job is where America goes to hire, with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire.
4: You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Because there's nothing like a weekend pause with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies.
6: If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a paper
3: How's that Sega Dreamcast coming along, Jonathan?
2: It's awesome because it connects to a television through a coaxial cable, which means I don't even have to have an adapter to use it on my television.
3: What, you, wait, I what kind of TV do you have?
2: <laughs> a television that has a coax input, like coax input oh. coax inputs are no, a, sta- a standard cable
3: no, i was I was thinking, uh, I was thinking the
2: component the cables, yes. <laughs> Yeah, no, that yeah, no, those days are long gone. Well, <laughs> we wanted to talk a bit about uh, the the properties we chose for our mashup. One of which is Wonder Woman, and the reason for choosing that one actually comes courtesy of some sad news.
3: Yeah, uh, George Perez passed away recently. Um, he was a, a comic artist who was very popular for. Teen Titans and Wonder Woman and uh, Avengers and did a lot of really cool stuff in comics. Apparently, he was a really nice guy. I know a lot of my friends in the convention circuit really loved him. Um, so that's very sad news.
2: Yes. And uh, so Wonder Woman is one of our our choices. And uh, for those who don't know who Wonder Woman is, do you want to give a quick rundown on that, Ariel?
3: Sure. She is a DC superhero. She is an Amazon from the island of Thermoscara. She's the daughter of Hera. She was made from clay Um, and she's super strong. She's super smart. And she's got like depending on the version of of, um, Wonder Woman, she's got like cool gadgets like a lasso of truth or like really cool bracers that can deflect bullets or like a boomerang tiara. That's going back to the Linda Carter version. Um, An invisible jet. She's Yeah, she's just, she's super awesome. And sometimes she's really, really nice. Like if you watch the most recent Wonder Woman or Wonder Woman, it's 88 or 84?
2: 84. most
3: recent, the most recent two Wonder Womans, which I'm not suggesting that you do that. I don't think they were fantastic movies, but I think that Gal Gadot played a very wonderful version of Wonder Woman.
2: Yeah, I think the first Wonder Woman film is pretty good. I think of it kind of like the first Captain America movie where if you watch- acts 1 and 2 of the original Wonder Woman movie, you're good. You can walk away. You do not need to watch act 3 cuz that's where it all mm-hmm. falls apart where she actually has to fight Ares. Um cuz that's yeah. where the movie d- ends up being not so great. But the first yeah. bit where it's all in World War 1, that's all amazing.
3: Yeah, and then there are certain versions of Wonder Woman where like if you if you watch some of the DC animated stuff, she's much more warrior. She's um more hardened. And like war worn, I guess. So it's it's she's more like lawful neutral as opposed to lawful good in those I would say. Yeah. Um. But still, just complete, completely amazing, strong female superhero character. That's not where Wonder Woman's origins originally came from, but it's where uh, she really took off. And, um, yeah.
2: Yeah. There's just several different versions, just like all the DC heroes have different mm-hmm. variations. But yeah, um so that's Wonder Woman our second property that we're using is Alice as in Alice in Wonderland and Through the Looking Glass uh creations of Lewis Carroll s- stories that involve a lot of wordplay and puns and nonsense and absurdity about a little girl named Alice going through these uh very kind of almost like stream of consciousness adventures uh like I don't know if you've read the books, uh, but they, the books are, are really bonkers. The books are really strange, um, uh, in a great way. Like you get into these passages where characters are just being, uh, frustratingly contrary <laughs> for no apparent reason, or they're playing with language in a particular way. My favorite being Humpty Dumpty, who once makes the, the statement about, um, Language can mean anything he wants it to mean. And Alice says like, the, the question is, can you make words mean whatever you want? And he says, the question is who's to be the master. That's all but do you let the language boss you around or do you boss the language around? And I'm like, Oh, I love mm-hmm. that. That attitude doesn't work if you're trying to yeah. communicate to someone, but it is, it is very, very much a, a me kind of thing to say. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So we're mashing out those two.
3: Yeah, I, I like Alice in Wonderland. I've read the books. My favorite version is the 1985 television uh, miniseries that they did with Carol Channing and John Stamos. and Red Oh, and-
2: that was such a weird one because that was they did both Wonderland and Through the Looking Glass because Carol Channing played the White Queen, I want to say, which is Through the Looking Glass. Yes. That's the second of the books. And yes. I remember she's saying, Jam tomorrow, jam yesterday, but never ever jam today.
3: Yes, uh, but that that version is really old. It, the effects don't hold up, but it does go, like if you've only watched the Disney versions of Alice in Wonderland, this really does pull a lot more from the book. And it also has a crazy, ridiculous cast of like- Is that the one
2: that has Ringo Starr as the Mock Turtle? Got, I can't remember. It's,
3: yes, it's got Shelley Winters. It's got Ringo Starr. It's got Beau Bridges. It's got Christopher Lloyd. Yeah. I think. Does it have Christopher Lloyd? Yes, he's Maybe he's I'm the wrong. knight.
2: He's the white knight.
3: Yeah, um, just just tons of people: Patrick Duffy, Sammy Davis Jr., Ernest yeah. Borgnine. Yeah, it's
2: like it starts to it starts to sound like a variety show when you start naming it, or like a like one of those telethons or something.
3: Yeah, one hundred percent. But it's a really fun version. Um, it's really bizarre. Uh, that being said, I totally went closer to the Disney version just out of ease.
2: <laughs> uh, mine. Uh, well, we'll get to mine.
3: <laughs> okay. Do you want me to Do go first then?
2: I, I can go first if you would like. Uh,
3: ah, no, I think I think yours is gonna be is gonna be better than mine. Uh, so I'm gonna let you go. Well, we'll
2: see. <laughs> go ahead then.
3: <laughs> I love how sometimes they're like, "Mine's gonna be worse." No, mine's gonna be worse. Ah, uh, no, mine's fine. Um, it's called Wonder Woman Land because honestly, the only reason I picked Alice in Wonderland is because it had Wonder in it, and Wonder Woman had Wonder in it. So, ah, uh, yay. Okay. (laughs) Early one morning, Princess Diana, a.k.a. Wonder Woman, was awoken by a knock at the door of her New York apartment high-rise. Curious, she thought. She hadn't told anyone she would be spending time in the city. However, when Diana answered the door, there was no one there. Just a delicate envelope with the name Wonder Woman in curly-Q lettering on it. Being both early morning and before she had had her morning tea, Wonder Woman put the envelope on her kitchen island and got ready for her day. But the letter kept nagging at her. In the way you get a nagging feeling when something just isn't right. So as soon as she had her tea in hand, she went to open the letter. As she tore open the ornate envelope, a shower of rose petals shot out and smacked Wonder Woman straight in the face. This immediately put Wonder Woman on alert, and she thought, curiouser and curiouser. But not for long, because a rose petal landed in her tea, which immediately got one of those barista art sort of foam decorations on the top of it and it said drink me and diana was looking around her for weak points in her high-rise and didn't notice it and she took a sip and she quickly found herself head swimming sinking to the floor in a dream when she awoke she was no longer in her new york high-rise apartment but in a long hall with tiny doors seeing no one around she spun into her wonder woman costume and started looking for an exit however the only exits that she saw were these tiny doors all too small for her to fit through no worries she thought and she punched straight through the wall above one of the doors, creating a huge Diana-sized hole into a beautiful garden. She didn't even notice the door saying ow as she stepped on its face on the way out of the room. She did notice, however, the talking flowers in the garden. And she noticed this because they all knew her secret identity, and they were all talking about it incessantly. Wonder Woman took off her tiara and threw it, a la Boomerang style, through the garden, cutting each one of the flowers off at the stem. Without their roots of knowledge, they no longer recalled who she was, But not being a completely unbenevolent Amazon, she gathered them all into bouquet and put them in the garden's fountain so they wouldn't perish. Upon exiting the garden and puzzling her way through the adjacent hedge maze that of course was there, she came across some familiar faces. Or she thought they were. They were two round boys with striped shirts, one in blue and one in black, who bore an awful big resemblance to Batman and Superman. They grabbed her each by one arm and ushered her away to the tea party that she had gotten the invitation for. And when she got there, the tea party was being led by Zatanna with a very oversized version of her top hat with various other Justice League members filling other roles at the party. Wonder Woman tried to ask them what was going on. Something definitely was not right, but they only shouted something about a new cup of tea and shuffled each other around the table. Wonder Woman had had enough of this ridiculousness, so she lassoed the entire party with her lasso of truth, at which point they all came to out of the dream, also wondering where they were. All but one attendee a person-sized white rabbit. Diane, who knew this rabbit, would have the answers, so she grabbed it by the scuff, which is exceptionally mean to do to rabbits, and demanded the answers. Because the white rabbit was also lassoed, it told her the truth, that the Queen of Hearts, a nemesis of Batman, had elaborated this huge plan to get rid of the Justice League. Of course, thought Wonder Woman. She had no idea how she hadn't puzzled that out sooner. She had faced the Queen of Hearts before. And that's when Wonder Woman felt a sharp pain in her arm as a cascade of deadly cards came flying through the air at the party with the Queen of Hearts right behind. Diana quickly recovered and started deflecting the cards with her bracers while unlassoing the group because she can multitask like that. The Queen of Hearts had not expected Diana to be so prepared and was shocked when a card deflected back at her, striking her across the shoulders and knocking her head off. No fair, the Queen's detached head said as she picked it up, but the distraction was long enough for Wonder Woman to lasso the Queen and render her defenseless. Finally free, the White Rabbit quickly showed the group the way out of the tea party, and soon they all found themselves in Central Park. Batman took the Queen of Hearts to Arkham, where she belonged, and Wonder Woman went back to her apartment to enjoy the rest of her visit to the city in peace, vowing only to drink coffee from now on. The end.
2: (laughs) I'm happy to say that our our two mashups are not identical. Oh, good. (laughs) Here is mine. I call it Alice in Wonder Woman Land. All right. (laughs) Little Alice has a problem. She was sitting along Riverbank with her older sister when out of nowhere, a white magician ran by, saying, I'm late, I'm late. Alice, intrigued, followed after the white magician, leaving her sister behind, seemingly unaware and running after this strange man with weird hair that you typically only see in comic books because it's a lot like Wolverine's. Anyway, Alice loses sight of the white magician. And by that time, she realizes that she's in an unfamiliar part of the countryside. She's left the river far behind her and she's a bit turned around. While she's a little concerned, Alice is a brave child, and so she decides she's on an adventure and chooses a direction to walk in with no particular rhyme or reason to her choice. She walks for what feels like hours, but is in fact 17 minutes when she comes to a clearing and there are adults there. But they're dressed up in peculiar clothing. A couple of them have capes. There's one dressed like a big black mouse. And there's another one that's in very tight blue, red, and a little bit of yellow in its outfit. And there's one that's dressed in all red with a yellow lightning bolt across the chest. And they're deep in discussion when Alice walks up and says, Hello, I am Alice. Who are you? And the three men look down surprised. And the red one says, Alice, you should get out of here. It's not safe. And Alice says, Of course it's not safe. I'm on an adventure." And this just sort of takes the adults off guard even more. Just at that moment, there's a commotion across the clearing, and from the edge of the woods across the way, Alice sees a woman who is growing larger right before her eyes. "'Giganta!' yells the Black Mouse Man. "'Alice, quick, run into the woods!' and Alice, ushered by the adults, decides that the woods isn't a bad place to be, so she turns and leaves the growing woman, now the size of the trees themselves, behind her, as the three adults seem to get ready to have a very cross-conversation with the woman. Slipping around some trees, Alice encounters an odd man, with a fake-looking goatee, a turban, and vaguely Middle Eastern costume that looks like it could be venturing into some cultural appropriation troubling territory. Who? "'Are you?' asks the man, whose voice sounds quite odd. Alice, thrown off, says, "'I think you ought to tell me who you are first.' "'I am the Great Hypnota,' says the man, whose facial hair budges just a bit, and Alice could not help but think that this man was in disguise. "'Well, Great Hypnota, if you'll excuse me, I must be off. I'm on an adventure.' says Alice. And then Hypnota shoots out this blue ray at Alice, but she's already skipped off into the forest and so it misses her. So Hypnota just ends up with a mind-controlled squirrel, which isn't useful because this is the DC universe, not Marvel. Alice, moving a bit (laughs) further, comes to a glen. And in that glen are a group of humanoid animals all running in a circle. And in the center of that circle is a woman with red hair who seems on the verge of apoplexy. Pardon me, says Alice, but is everything all right? And one of the humanoid animals, which looked like it might have been some sort of goat, runs up to Alice and says, It has all gone terribly wrong. We have learned a peace. A piece of what? Asks Alice. A puzzle indeed, says the goat man. It has upset the others terribly. They have turned against the mistress, Circe. And Alice looks at the woman with red hair, who really does look like she's going to lose her head over the whole business. Well, I do hope you get your piece of whatever it is. It is ever so much fun when everyone gets a share. The goat's eyes light up. Yes, yes, I see. And with that, the goat runs back to the circle, which appears to be closing in on Cersei, which, you know, she looks increasingly panicked. But Alice doesn't see any of that because she's already off on her adventure. And next thing you know, she's in the clearing again. Only this time she's on the other side. Curiouser and curiouser, she says. I was certain I was walking in a straight line. And she sees that the very large woman the one that the red fellow had called Giganta, is in a very cross argument with the three men. And and Alice looks down to her left and sees that someone's dropped off a little cake and on top of the cake are some currants that spell out, eat me. Well, Alice has a strict philosophy that she would always immediately obey desserts. So she takes a bite. And suddenly, Alice finds herself growing to enormous size, even larger than the tall woman in the clearing. And the three men look up at her, stopping their argument. And even Giganta looks up at her and turns pale and says, how is this even possible? Surrender, Giganta, says the red, blue, and yellow man, whom Alice notices is actually flying around. And the large woman does surrender. After the argument is over, the mouse man walks up to Alice's feet and looks up at her. So Alice squats down to have a chat with him. Thanks for your help, miss, says the man. You said your name is Alice? And Alice nods. Yes, that's right. I do hope I haven't caused any trouble. No, no, you've saved the day. Now we just need to find Hypnoda. And Alice points back across the clearing. I last saw him over there. And the mouse man looks even more surprised. I don't suppose you've seen a witch named Cersei? Alice nods again. I'm not sure where to point. I got turned around in the woods, but her animal friends were running circles around her. The Mouse Man seems shocked by this, and he very quietly considers it. You wouldn't happen to want to help us out more frequently, would you? Alice beams. Why, that would be ever so much fun. I do love an adventure. Only, I should find my way back home. I do worry my sister would be quite cross with me if she finds me missing. The Mouse Man nods again. Suddenly, the Red Man is beside him, and one moment he wasn't there, the next moment he was there. My, but you are quick, says Alice. And the red man gives her a smile and says to his friend, Batman, we caught the white magician. Oh, good, says Alice. He's who I was after at the whole start of this. Batman and the red fellow look up at Alice, mouths agape. The red man says to Batman, is she a superhero I don't know about? Batman kind of shrugs. Well, says Alice, I should be off. Do let me know if I can join further adventures. And Alice stands up, towering over the woods. She takes a few steps and notices some tiny shining object on the ground. She picks it up, sees it's a glass bottle with a little tag that says Drink Me on it. Well, of course, she has to follow her rules, so she drinks the contents. And in moments, she has returned to her normal size. She walked what felt like for hours, but was in fact 13 minutes and returned to the riverbank, sitting down by her sister, who says, And what have you been up to? And Alice says, Oh, I just joined the Justice League. The end.
3: <laughs> I love one, that Alice was super and that she knew it was a Justice League. And also I <laughs> bow to your knowledge of obscure DC characters, Jonathan. Well done. Yeah,
2: I, I, I decided that I was going to look up Wonder Woman's rogues gallery. And y'all, it is a uh, uh, who's who of obscure characters. You, most of them you have never heard of. Um, you also have to get past the first round of Wonder Woman's villains to make something fun. Because, of course, when Wonder Woman debuted, her chief enemies were Nazis. So mm-hmm. didn't want to do a mashup with Nazis <laughs> and Alice from Alice in Wonderland. So I skipped ahead a little bit.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Good good choice there. Good choice there.
2: Something else that is alarmingly common with Wonder Woman's villains Many of them are other women. In fact, uh, uh, I would say possibly most of wonder woman's nemeses are women. And of those, a, a alarming number of them uh, cross dress as men and disguise themselves as men, including hypnota.
3: Okay. Well, that is very interesting for sure. (laughs)
2: Learn something new every day,
3: every day. Uh, We hope you've learned something new and can walk away a little bit more brain smart than when you came in. Um, Thanks for listening.
2: If you didn't, that was someone else's podcast you listened to. (laughs) Fair enough. If you have any thoughts about how you would mash up Wonder Woman and Alice in Wonderland, or maybe you have suggestions on future mashups we should do, or just things you would like to hear us chat about that are, you know, in the geek sphere, let us know. You can send us an email. The address is lnc at iheartmedia.com.
3: Yep. You can also reach out to us on social media, on Twitter, we're lnc underscore podcast, and on Instagram and Facebook, we're Large on Collider. We really love hearing from you, and we look forward to it.
2: Yes. And until next time, I am Jonathan Mouseman Strickland.
3: And I am Ariel. I'm late. I'm late. Casting.
6: Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, some 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club.
0: Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh?
6: Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine
5: country. Heck yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing.
0: I oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, ten girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California?
3: Discover why California is the ultimate
6: playground at visitcalifornia.com.
5: Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org.